everyone, and welcome to a brand new episode of The Wrap right here on the Fiking Media Network. Happy Monday to you all as we have arrived. It is the Royal Bumble Week at long last going down live this Saturday from the Alamo Dome in San Antonio, Texas. The road to WrestleMania begins again, and it's the 30th anniversary of Monday Night Raw going down tonight by the time you play this episode. I'm Keela Cash, and by my side, as always, is my right-hand man, my co-captain, the sometimes advocate for the rapidly improving Von Wagner. I bring to you, as always, on the free feed, Salty Scott Young. Welcome back, Salty. Thank you, Keela. It's always a pleasure to chop it up and talk all things WWE. I'm really excited to have the conversation about the Royal Rumble, the week that was. I'm excited to talk to our guests this week. You know, I'm, I was really, really close to being Perky Scott today, but I was like, nah, they got to pay that five. <laughs> pay the five for Perky. And also, Salty does enter the chat occasionally as well. So you get a two-for-one <laughs> special only on the Patreon. But joining us this week is an OG of the rap as a guest co-host and he is going to bring to us a brand new sterling prediction for the 2023 warrior rumble only on the rap hopefully he's right if he's wrong we will call him out accordingly and we have audio evidence of his past failed predictions but i bring to you a proud member of the fiking media family jeremy finestone welcome back jeremy I am taking a break from the New Japan beat for a little bit to talk about some WWE, but you are not getting that pick until the end of the show. You got to wait for that one. Uh, it is it is great to be here. Thank you for having me. A tease, ladies and gentlemen, of his pick. Will it pick this year? Will it actually come to fruition? We'll find that a strategy later on in the show. But before we dive into all things WWE and my own mea culpa, I want to dive into our second favorite discussion on the show, the NBA Western Conference standings. And as always, it's a battle between the Lakers and the Warriors. And the Warriors are in the top six now. They're still batting 500, 23 and 23, one last night against the Cleveland Cavaliers by sitting most of their lineup and the Lakers are 21 and 25 in 13th place. They're on a one game winning streak, six and four in their last 10. And they beat the Memphis Grizzlies, which made Scott very, very happy for a night as he gave Dennis Schroeder at least 15 cheddar biscuits for a job well done. Well, um, and a couple things, a couple things. Let's let's not bury the lead. Again, Keela, don't bury the lead. They ended the 11-game win streak of Memphis as well. Um, LeBron had an off night, and they still won the game. I'm just saying, we can tell the whole story. You know what I mean? Like, let's, there are very, very important details that you are that you are leaving out, and that's okay. That's what I'm here for. Um, you know, just to make sure that everyone knows the whole story. Real solid game. And not to mention Shannon Sharp was ready to fight the entire Memphis Grizzlies <laughs> team and has now become the art of a rap cover. So I think it all worked out great. I got a question for you guys real quick. Uh, these Cheddar Biscuits. I, I listened to last week. I know that Cora Jade got some Cheddar Biscuits. Mm-hmm. So how does Cora Jade's Cheddar Biscuits relate to these, uh, these NBA standing Cheddar Biscuits? They can't be the same amount of Cheddar Biscuits. The same value. Can they? 
Nah, see, the only reason Dennis Dennis is getting them because the Lakers won. And he's not actually getting biscuits to sit at the table and have dinner with me okay. and Cora. Right. His biscuits are those ones that I'm ordering to go. Like he like he did such a good job. I'm willing to order this man food while I'm out with Cora. You know Your what I'm saying? Choices of who you spend money on are amazing. It's Listen, done me too, if you're Jeremy. Gonna, if you're gonna help the king, I can help you. Tithing. We're at tithing stage of the rap. Okay. <laughs> it's tithing nice. I like that. <laughs> tithing. Okay. That's, that's the kind that's the kind of energy we're gonna have tonight. <laughs> See, Jeremy, you feel what I feel because I was also surprised that Scott was going to actually spend money on Cora Jade. And normally oh. he's a cheap ass. Cheap ass Scott Young is splurging on Cora Jade of all people. It shook me too. And now he's gonna tell Dennis Schroeder to pick up and go. The audacity. It's, it's the Orange Bowl in January or December. I can't keep track. Oh, shit. Well, doesn't matter when it is. Okay. Doesn't matter, when, doesn't, <laughs> doesn't matter when it shows up. Okay. Jeremy Stone, you shady person. This dude, this dude been throwing shots before we even got on the air. I just, you know, we got we got to move on for the basketball talk. I don't watch basketball. We can talk NFL. <laughs> Yeah. I want to keep this train moving. <laughs> because I know that Jeremy has cheddar biscuits for Brock Purdy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's go red and gold. I don't, I don't know how this, uh, how this is going to play out in, when this podcast is released. But we're going to fingers crossed and hope to Jeebus that, uh, you know, Brock Purdy remains pretty good through this weekend. And the, uh, and the Cowboys are no longer a threat to anyone if they haven't been a threat to anyone all season long. Hey, now. Or for the last 25 years, basically. Let's keep it real. Let's not lie. Just saying. America's team, they say. Yeah, go 49ers by the time this show drops. (laughs) Hopefully they win tomorrow. Fingers crossed. Please, please, please. But now, I have an apology to make to our listeners out there. Because I sat here on this here show and I made a bold prediction that something would be left in the past during someone's initial return to WWE at Extreme Rules last October. I'm here to say I am a liar on the air because I truly believed in my soul and in my heart that oh, we were done with the Firefly Funhouse. And all those fucking puppets came back. They were dusted off. And they proved me wrong. So, Bray Wyatt, fuck you for making, for making me believe that this was going to be a brand new Bray Wyatt. Brand new Wyatt 6. We were done with Huskis and Abigail and Rambling Rabbit and, and Rambling Rabbit and Mercy the Buzzard. I thought we was done with all of it. But no, you brought back the whole show. You gave me a full-on segment. And I was offended. And I'm sorry that I sat here and told the people this was it. We were done. We're not. So Scott, I just want to apologize to you and to Jeremy, who was no sold on this from the start. I stand corrected. I have my humble pie on standby and a side order of crow for lying to the people 
indirectly because I was proven to be a fool. I accept your apology. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I accept it. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, who honestly, if if someone were to tell you three months ago the Firefly Funhouse was going to return before Bray Wyatt actually had a wrestling <laughs> match, that that's actually what happened. Uh, we are. I, I I believe I sat here and said we're going to sit here for six months and we're going to play this out every week for six months at a snail's pace and it is just going to be infuriating and nothing is going to happen until they give you an inch every week and that is exactly what happened. <laughs> and uh, if you were to if you were to take the Bray Wyatt package right now and then look at the Bray Wyatt package mm, two years ago. There's not really all that much has changed. There's a, there's a little bit of window dressing, but the concept is the same. The idea is the same. It's just the evolution and the 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 movement of the program and of the character. But this is this is the same thing that we've been getting with Bray Wyatt for years. And you know, whatever, fine. Somebody likes it, not me. I got played. I'll say this. Hey, listen, we we can we can make the jokes, and we are going to make the jokes. Don't get it twisted. He's gonna he's gonna catch the strays, but whenever the fiend shows up and and comes to the ring, the crowd's gonna go crazy. That's just it is what like I I fully believe that the crowd's still gonna be fully with him. They're like they're completely with him. At least it sounds like it to me. I don't know if that's just them sweetening the noise, but I don't think that was sweetening last night. I think they lost their minds for the funhouse. That's, and see, that's what I'm saying. Like, people, they they like it. Like, they, whenever they, so whenever the fiend or whoever is going to show up, whoever shows up, they're going to be fully invested in behind Bray Wyatt. I mean, they're playing the hits, you know. Like, DX. yeah, you, you come yeah. out there, you, you 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 see the thing from two years ago that you saw on TV briefly, and you're like, you point like, oh look, it's the thing that that guy does. Blah blah blah. But this isn't. This doesn't build a wrestling program. It doesn't build a wrestling match, really. You know, you got you got LA Knight going, yeah, every every sentence that he does, and the audience is catching on to that. But I'm still I don't care about their match. I don't know what a pitch black Mountain Dew match is. Is, is it gonna be darker than normal? Okay, cool. Whatever. Whatever this is. I've just made my peace with the fact that it's not for me and that every so often I'm going to go onto a podcast and I'm going to have my fun with uh, pointing out how this is not for me. But I hope that there is somebody out there that is eminently enjoying this and that I hope that my uh, annoyance with it doesn't ruin it for them. <laughs> and we appreciate different perspectives. And I am not a hater of the funhouse. I just wanted an involved. I wanted an evolved Bray Wyatt, and we're going back. And I hope that whatever this pitch black match is going to be at the Warrior Rumble, I just hope it's passable. Hope it's not bad. I'm sure that Mountain Dew paid WWE a shit ton of money for this shit. And congratulations, you're going to get great product placement. We're going to have a black light for this match. Apparently, neon colors, great, fantastic. Use a flashlight to see. Awesome. But is it going to be a just, blue light or a black light? 
I have no a blue light special. I have no idea. Well, if, it's a, if it's a black light, it's a good thing. Judgment Day, Dom and Rhea not there. A um, couple things. So, um, speaking of uh, pitch black, right? A um, couple things. I, I'm not trying any other flavors of Mountain Dew if it's not code red. Also, by the way, like, like what is this? What is this? 2005? What are we doing? We doing we doing the different flavors of Mountain Dew still? What's going on with that? I'm, I'm, not, I'm talks, not doing that. Money, money talks. I guess so. I guess so. They had to drop like seven figures to get this done. Seriously. A full match? You, a full you match in the dark. A full match? With, with your top stars. Placement. Yes. Literally the last match that we saw Bray Wyatt had Alexa Bliss on top of a box. And it was versus Randy Orton at WrestleMania. It was inexplicable. There were what? Black goo? Castro right? GTX. Oh, God. Oh, God. The old Anyways, school product just placement. The whole, but it's just like... Who is this for? Who is this, who is this for? Mountain Dew. This is for Mountain Dew. <laughs> we're we're doing the Dew for uh for the sake of the company. So uh, I'm excited, maybe, but yeah, I'm intrigued. I got nothing. I tried. I really tried, guys. I'm trying to. <laughs> we have to review this next week, and I will have my Mountain Dew on standby. I ain't, drinking that. <laughs> I ain't drinking that. I ain't drinking that. Come on. Black. Pitch that black. Come on sound. now. That doesn't even sound appealing. Why would I want to drink something called pitch black? It, now, if it was an alcoholic drink, I might try that. I might try that. But a Mountain Dew, I'm good. I'm, I'm going to do I'm gonna do a uh, really, really cheap plug here. I have to review Great Ocon versus uh, Shingo Takage in a King of Pro Wrestling match in an MMA rules, no ropes, only geese match. For, and I have to figure out, is that match going to be better than this uh, pitch black match? Or is it going to be vice versa? You know, I'm going to talk about this on my show and I'll give you the answer there. But uh, that that's where I'm at right now. Is which one of these is going to be better and which one of these am I going to be talking about? more favorably in a week. I think I already know the answer at uh, WWE. You're not going to like it. I could have nice told you from jump. Too. Nice plug. An obvious choice as to what would be better. And you yeah. know this. It's a yeah. no contest. But we'll pray on it and we'll cover it on the wrap next Sunday morning. Will I be drunk off of Mountain Dew? I don't know. We'll see. I could be on a sugar high. Pitch black. I will take one for the team because that's what I do here on the wrap to apologize once again for saying we would never see the Firefly Funhouse again. But look, it was back and apparently to the people, it was better than ever. And that's all that matters at the end of the day. As we segue to Monday Night Raw, going down this past Monday, one week before the 30th anniversary, and we kick things off with an absolutely astonishing segment involving the Judgment Day and the Usos. And I have to single out one Dominic Mysterio because he is one brazen little bastard. So he stands toe-to-toe with Jimmy and Jay Uso, who told Dominic and the Judgment Day, we've had this tag team division on lockdown for over two years now. And it started with Dominic and his daddy, lockdown. Street Profits, Lockdown, Alpha Academy, Lockdown, RK Bro, Lockdown, Viking Raiders, Lockdown, everybody under Lockdown. But Dominic 
says, you Usos, Jimmy and Jay, you don't know anything about that prison life. I've seen the inside. I've been. <laughs> I, could, I can't even give a straight face. I can't even tell it. I can't. But keep going. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I mean, it's hard for me to keep a straight face, too, because Dominic's talk. I've been on the inside. I've been with hardened criminals. I know about that life. And you two know nothing about that life. You see, when you call yourself Usus, that really means you want to be essays. And I'm like, oh my God, Dominic. <laughs> Dude. Then Jimmy came through and I laughed my ass off. And Scott's going to get into that momentarily. But the highlight for me, two highlights actually, was Dominic also calling out the street fighting credibility of Solo Sokoa saying, I know about them streets, you don't. And then Solo says, wait a minute, pause. Let me cut through my brothers. Let me get in your face. And then Rhea Ripley gets in Solo's face and they're not backing down. I'm like, can we book this for WrestleMania? I would love to see these two go at it. And we have Solo ready to deliver the Simone spike to Rhea Ripley. And Rhea is going to just stand there and say, try it. Take your best shot. I love the energy. And then eventually Dominic's going to try to pie face Solo and there's a big fight between Judgment Day and the Usos. And I loved the chaotic energy of this opening segment. It was absolutely ridiculous. Dominic Mysterio rolling up on the Usos with zero fear must be commended. That five-hour stint in county jail has worked wonders for him. And this is probably one of my favorite gimmicks in all of professional wrestling. He's committed 100%. It's complete bullshit, but I love it, Jeremy. I absolutely adored this opening segment. Dominic Mysterio must be protected at all costs. <laughs> the company, company must keep him safe so that he can make them money. This is so great. This is so great. Imagine, imagine Eddie Guerrero as a shitty kid. That is not of what we have right now. <laughs> just a shitty kid who can't back up anything just yet. But, you know, maybe he can. You know, there's a little, there's a little bit of a little glimmer in his eye. And there, he found it. He found his stride, at least the character. Whatever, whatever they were looking for, that X factor. You know, like his work in the ring, I don't know, is going to be at the level of his father's ever, if at all. But he's got something and they figured out they figured it all out. And I am I am here for it. There's actually I was thinking about as you we were talking, you know, this is what they kind of wanted Austin Theory's heat to be like. They wanted Austin Theory to get this Dominic Mysterio heat. And Dominic has it. And Austin, he's got a different kind of heat, but if they, but if he had this kind of heat, he'd be almost main event level. That, that's how good Dominic's heat is right now. It is fantastic. It really is some of the best heat in the business today, and it's really coming from a natural place of, like, we really can't stand you. And I kind of like the realignment as well as Austin Theory is getting his own kind of heat as well that works for him, and Dominic is perfection in this role. I just... Look at him, and he's so unserious, but I love it so much. And it's just perfection in that it's going to be a question mark as to what he's going to do in the ring, ultimately against his dad at WrestleMania. We're going to wait that long to get it. We're going to get some interactions, most likely at the Warrior Rumble on Saturday as well. But this is just a guilty pleasure that I cannot get enough of. And the fact that Solo and Rhea almost got to fighting was the highlight for me as well, because 
I would love to see it someday, Scott. Book it. Since uh, Corey Graves brought it up last week, I'm going to continue to quote the great Tupac. And uh, with when it comes to Rhea Ripley, Shorty want to be a thug. Let me tell you. And uh, not only does she want to be, she definitely is. Okay, because she was certainly going to stand there. And I'm glad you brought up the point about Dominic and that he he is really smelling himself right now because and it, and it's not only is it the the you know the the BS five hour stint you know that he 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 did, but he you know quote unquote won the match you know, that got them this title shot. So he's really smelling himself right now. This dude thinks that he is the old spice guy for real. Like that's how he, that's how he's feeling right now. Like he's a freaking half man, half unicorn. That's, and that's, he should, he should, right? Cause he's, he's, he's insane. He's crazy. And it all works. It's all perfect because we know at any point in time, Solo could just umaga this dude spike him in the neck and he's not going to be breathing or talking for three weeks you know what i mean like and that's that's the best part about all of this but i think it was so important to show the judgment day as a whole just not backing down you know and adding that rhea ripley factor into it and just kind of showing that visual that she's gonna get into any one of their faces and not back down and you know what I believe that she could probably take Jimmy and Jay. I don't know about Solo. He, them quiet types, man. You don't, you don't mess with them. You know, so you, you let them be. But, but like, and that's, that's the, that's that factor you got to think about. Finn Balor's still going to be there. And so there's, it's very interesting how they're all setting this up. And it's, man, if they weren't on this historic run, I'd say they would win the titles, but they're not going to beat them on Raw. She's got that China energy too. She does. She that does. That big boss energy. She's got it. The presence is just outstanding. And, you know, now that he split the belts up, you could crown Judgment Day on Monday, possibly. I would not be opposed to it. And most importantly, it's a fresh matchup that we have not seen before. But what I love about Judgment Day the most is that they know that Dom is full of shit, but the hype they have for him Finn Balor hyping this dude knowing that you go harder than Dominic Finn Balor you're like the biggest cheerleader saying Dom's this Dom said he's about that life knowing Finn's been about that life repping the Finns since at least what 2007 or something like that come on now Finn gang. Come on, Finn. Finn. Finn gang Finn gang Finn unit come on now but I just love that Finn is the biggest cheerleader for this bullshit. And Damian Priest is rolling around with it as well. So I just loved everything about this opening segment. So much fun. Beautiful chaos. As we segue to another tag team that is brimming with potential as of late in the form of Alpha Academy. You know, I love Chad Gable very much. Highly underrated as a wrestler. But Otis growing the beard back and doing baby face things for the first time in a couple of years. I think that if we're going to separate the Raw and SmackDown tag team titles, it might be time to present Alpha Academy as the babyface tag team they're meant to be. They have great matches. They can wake the crowd up. They can make you root for them, especially Otis as of late. And I think sometime in spring or summer, they could be a viable babyface tag team going after the Raw tag team titles. Just my opinion, but I want Scott's take on whether you see the vision of Alpha Academy being a top-tier tag team as babyfaces on Monday Night Raw. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) 
Um, Otis, listen, we've already seen Otis get over. Like we've seen him get over as a baby face. Um, and Chad Gable has shown that, I mean, Chad Gable is, has shown how great he is in this tag setting. I, I think they will be a great baby face team. Uh, the crowd is already with them. The crowd, anytime Chad Gable gets an opportunity, gets a singles match where he gets some time against a top guy, he he gets love from the crowd. The crowd is ready to get behind him specifically. We already know they'll get behind Otis. We've seen, especially with the NXT run, how great and how much the crowd will get behind Chad leading a team. So I think this is a this is a layup, man. It's it's only it was just a matter of time before they now win these titles as a babyface unit. And they'll be better for it. They'll be over. They'll be beloved. And you know, Otis. I ain't ashamed to say they'll get six biscuits. You know, six biscuits. Let me, let me tell you something. You come at Otis with six biscuits, that dude's going to be like, where's the rest of my food? Where's the rest of my food? He's looking for the whole damn platter. Like You're going to get that man six biscuits. You ought to be ashamed. You talk about me. At least I'm going to make sure they fed six biscuits. It's enough for the first go around. I'm trying to be decent, damn it. But, you know, I, I have a soft spot for Otis. I do adore him. And Chad Gable is first class all the way. And I would love a babyface run for them because they would be over as a team that can work at a high level, get you engaged, and most importantly, make you care, Jeremy. I uh, This is the first topic that we've had tonight that would really call into question, like, the future, the immediate future of WWE creatively. If we stay the course, I think that there are – a lot of good things for Alpha Academy. Uh, upper mid-card tag team. Maybe win the titles at some point, but not really Not really a team that I think is going to, they're going to build the division around or, or anything like that. It, it would probably be like a feel-good title win uh, until they go with, it, with another thing. Because in WWE, the tag titles aren't, or up until this point, have never been treated with the level of an importance that they've been treated currently. But once the storyline with the bloodline is over, I'm not 100% sure that the tag titles uh, are going to be treated at that same level going forward. So there, there's a lot of things going on. I think Gable is one of the best pro wrestlers, sports entertainers, whatever you want to call it, in the world. Uh, Otis, always, I always enjoy seeing what Otis uh, can do in the ring. I will say that he needs to do a little bit more practice on getting some of those face moves down, like the worm and then to the elbow. Uh, a little bit more practice on that, but uh, better days ahead for those guys. Uh, I I don't see them being champions, uh, like a watermark champion for the division, uh, either SmackDown or Raw, depending on if there's a draft or anything like that. And if, uh, and if Vince ends up taking over creative, I don't feel good about them at all. I would feel very bad about that. So let's hope he stays the hell away from creative, never pick up the book again. But we can't trust this man. He's a menace to society. And I do worry about tag team wrestling in WWE. <laughs> it is a concern because we know someone does not care. And hopefully he does not come back. 
But as always with all things in WWE, we shall see. As we segue into now the main event of Monday Night Raw, it was a six-pack elimination match for a shot at the United States Championship for Raw 30 going down this Monday in Philly. It was Seth Rollins versus Finn Balor versus Dolph Ziggler versus The Miz versus Baron Corbin. And there was one more guy in this match. Oh, yes, the almighty Bobby Lashley, all former U.S. champions. And I thought this was by far the best match from Monday's show. The action was fast-paced. Bobby Lashley's a beast. Seth Rollins was very strategic with his eliminations. I love the figure for reversal into a curve stomp on The Miz. Sorry, Scott, my apologies. That was a very sweet counter for the win. We have flip dives from Rollins and Finn Balor on the outside. Even Dolph Ziggler, who does not fly very often, did a cross body onto everyone at ringside as well until Finn Balor gets curb stomped by Seth Rollins, who, who did a coup de gras on, I believe, Bobby Lashley for the win. Then it was Ziggler's chance to shine. He hit a famouser on. Not a famous, so I take that back. He hit the zigzag on Bobby Lashley, super kicked Finn out of midair. And then, of course, Seth lands a pedigree on Dolph Ziggler to eliminate him. So Seth is on a run here until we have Omas and MVP come out to cause trouble. Austin theories on commentary, but Seth is going to be the Raleigh veteran, the fighter through all of this. He's going to curb stomp Omas on the announce table, is down to Lashley and Rollins. But thanks to MVP, Getting involved, Bobby Lashley hits the spear on Seth to win the match. Corbin was eliminated moments earlier, but I really love this match from start to finish. And this was a tease, possibly, of the reconstitution, the reunion of the Hurt Business. And I am here for that. It was broken up prematurely a couple of years ago. I'm ready for the reunion now. And Bobby Lashley winning this match totally made sense, but to me still, it was about Seth Rollins' performance standing out in the best possible way, hitting curb stomp after stomp after stomp, but falling short at the end, Jeremy. I uh, I really enjoyed this match. I really enjoyed the uh, open landscape that you kind of had coming out of it. Now, you had Seth Rollins beat three people, but he did not win the match. So he's coming out looking great. You got Bobby Lashley, who's now the, again, number one contender for the U.S. title against Austin Theory. But you also have the Hurt Business coming back together. So where do you go from here? Do you have Bobby Lashley win the U.S. title and reconstitute the Hurt Business? Do you have the Hurt Business not reconstitute and Bobby Lashley wins the title? Do you have neither of these things happen? Do you have something completely different happen? Do you have Austin Theory win and have him part of the Hurt Business, which would be so delicious. I would I would laugh so hard if they decided to do something like that. But uh, no, this was a great match. Uh, it felt like when we're looking back at this show that this was really like a one-match show in a lot of ways. There were, there were a lot of great tag team matches throughout the entire week, but this really felt like the... Um, the linchpin match that kind of held the entire week of WWE programming together. And uh, it, it did its job well by doing so. Yeah, we had a nice flow to it. It was up against a football game. There was a blowout and it really held up decently in the ratings, surprisingly enough. And it was a really good match that was laid out perfectly. And Scott and I made an inside joke recently about we need names. This match deserves whoever 
the credit goes to whoever laid out this match because it was really well done and the right person won. Go Bobby Lashley. Will he win on Monday? I don't know, but I do sense that her business is coming back stronger and better and hopefully suited and ready to go because I miss the suit game, Scott, because it was always clean. Yeah, the uh, best dress in the game, no doubt. I uh, The match was really good. Seth Rollins, I appreciate him winning with multiple finishers. I'm a little things guy. I appreciate that. The pedigree. So when he hits that on his next match and they kick out, it'll mean something. Um, you know, I I do question like putting guys in matches who aren't winning, who aren't winning, like guys in these matches that aren't winning. I get that they're former champions, but where's Ziggler? I don't, Ziggler ain't won no matches. My boy Miz ain't won no matches. I'm pretty sure Corbin just lost last week to Kevin Owens. Like I, you I'm knew just, it was only two people that were gonna win this match, though. Well, then, and 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 I think that should have been it. Should have been a triple threat. That should have been the match: Finn, Rollins, and Lashley. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that match right there is so much more intriguing than the six pack. And I thought Dolph was great. I thought Dolph had a really good showing in the match. Um, personally, I thought he looked really good. But you cut those three out, who you like, you said you know aren't going to win the match. And you have these three who have who can win the match and could believably win the U.S. title. If Finn Balor won, I could believe that. Lashley, I can believe that. Rollins, I can believe that. So cut the fat out. Cut the fat out and just give, give, me, give me the real meat. Give me what I want. You know, like Batista was saying back in the day, give me what I want. Like he was telling <laughs> Triple H, man, just give me what I want. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm asking for. The, uh, the only thing that I would say to that is that I thought it was somewhat clever that they had a mini elimination style match a week before the Royal Rumble, which is their big elimination style match, to get a world title shot. So if you're going to do an elimination match, this was the time to do it, even though it was like a pinfall submission, not over the top rope. I get it. It was kind of clever in that like, hey, we got this big elimination match. Let's do a mini elimination match. Get your... Get your uh, Get get your get it get your get your excitement going for this. So for that, I I can I can see the argument why they did it. But if you wanted a 25, 27 minute uh triple threat for the US title, I wouldn't have complained about that either. Yeah, give me give me that nice tight package right there. Especially since we just had an hour long gauntlet match last week. Like oh, is this is this the thing? Is this is this what we getting every week? We getting the last hour just going to be somebody running a gauntlet? <laughs> call the football. Call football. Call football counter programming. Next week at our hardcore raw thirty show, it's just going to be a bunch of old people standing around. So you know we're not going to get we're not going to get fun big elimination matches. We're going to get fun big eliminated wrestlers from the roster that have come back to get a payday. We got three big matches next week. I hope so. I hope they're the good. We got the tag title match. You got the U.S. title match and the cage match. the cage match. And I, I'm fully expecting Seth Rollins versus Omos. Like, I feel like that's a natural match to make after what, the, what happened on Raw with him smashing his head in the table. Like, right? Omos should be upset about that. I mean... And that would be a nice win for Rollins. After the Rumble, wink, wink. wink. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It, it would be a nice win before or after. No doubt. No doubt. Yeah. 
But uh, no, there there's stuff there. But you know, with the football programming in the last couple of weeks, with the the bowl game and and Brady's potential retirement uh, retirement match, uh, <laughs> I can't believe I called it a match there. But the word I couldn't stop the word from coming out of my mouth. Uh, I I will be curious to see how well Roth, hardcore raw thirty XXX or however what joke you want, the Bang Bros raw thirty uh, <laughs> show that we got coming up. They're they're really leaning hard on the uh the adult content titles for for their for their programming, aren't they? Yes, raw triple X, ballsy. Gotta say, I will say, hopefully, raw thirty is better than raw twenty five five years ago because that shit was horrible. That was a bad tribute to Monday Night Raw. Hopefully, it's better on Monday. But I have to call out my co captain for Uh-oh. just a moment. Because I'm proud of you, Scott. You know why I'm proud of you? <laughs> I don't know. This <laughs> 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 won't end well. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't see this ending well for me either. I am proud of you because you realize that The Miz deserves nothing. <laughs> wow. <laughs> at, at this stage of his career. Wow. And you've accepted that and you said cut the fat. And I'm like, wow, Scott's finally cutting The Miz loose after all of these years because he's unworthy of anything in WWE in 2023. And you know what that is. Growth. Listen, I am so proud of you. Listen, when you've had the career that Miz has had and you've done the things that Miz has done <laughs> You know, all you're you're really there for at this point is just to make sure that celebrities have great matches. Check. Um, You you know, (laughs) I'm just saying you're just there to make sure WWE gets their their, uh, reality TV on. Check. You're just there to keep USA happy. Check. He's just there to check boxes. That's all. And he does it well and he gets paid. He gets a bag. Can't be mad at it. I mean, you said cut the fat. You cut his head off. <laughs> oh, my God. Damn. How brutal. Why we decapitating people? Yeah, what's going on with that? <laughs> Jeremy, been oh, on one ruthless. day. We got, we got <laughs> pirates on the, on, on the water right now. Oh, my God. Take no prisoners. <laughs> it's dangerous out here. Did you call Chucky for a crossover? Because he would love to do it. He would love to chop Miz off. Oh, the blade right there. My gosh, you cut that man to pieces. You said he lost his head. He lost his head. <laughs> off with his head. Brick oh. killed a guy. Gosh, queen of hearts, you. So cruel. But I respect that. I respect that aggression to really get the Miz out of here. And I support Jeremy, despite the violence of it all. That was very extreme of you. But (laughs) brutal. (laughs) Things got dark. (laughs) It got really grim. It got pitch black by Mountain Dew. (laughs) See, I can slide product placement in here and not get paid a single dime. That was pretty good. Hey, Keela, that was nice. That was that nice. was slick. That was slick. Giving myself WD the chomp up on, pat on the back. See? Little WD-40 on this show. Good as nail. <laughs> Thank you. And see, I did more for Mountain Dew than they were half of that goddamn match on Saturday. <laughs> That's how you do product placement right here on The Wrap. And I'm offering my services to be your spokesperson, Mountain Dew. I can get this shit over. 
Trust me on that. But as we try to recover from Mrs. Head rolling on the floor, I mean, it's chopped clean off. That's, en- that's enough. That's enough with the Ms. Slander. Okay. That's enough. For both of you. That's enough. Okay. Well, I'm just glad you admitted that the Miz is now nothing more than a gay manager. Oh my gosh. <laughs> He's a clipboard wrestler. Congratulations. <sighs> Still I'm getting proud the bag. Of him. I mean, he's getting the bag for the family, and I appreciate that. He's going to move from one match into the other. Next up, Calabasas. Moving on up in the world. As we segue to, unfortunately, hate to say it, NXT. Now, I like NXT most weeks. We loved Deadline last month. We thought this is a new turning point for the revived brand that's no longer 2.0. But I am feeling 2.0 tendencies, and it really comes down to promos as of late that have really rubbed me the wrong way. From Toxic Attraction to Ivy Nile, to the beautiful and lovely Lyra Vicaria, to Roxanne Perez, who I adore as NXT Women's Champion. Tiffany Stratton improved a little bit this week from her rough start last week with her return. But the promo department, these wooden, overly scripted, unbelievable promos have really gotten under my skin as of late, has turned me off to this show. And I enjoy NXT most weeks, but... I'm just getting this vibe of things aren't how they seem right now. Maybe it's a rough patch heading heading into Vengeance Day. I don't know. But the promo department has really irked me as of late. Scott, do you agree, disagree regarding the overall vibe of NXT as of late? As far as the promos go, I... I kind of feel like they've always been like that. Outside of, you know, a couple people here and there, like, you know, the like Carmelo, Trick, Grayson Waller every now and then. Um, they've all kind of really been basic, robotic, by-the-numbers promos. We've just happened to have some really good people cutting them. And I think that's really been the difference is a lot of these people just, they're not not—they're not that those charismatic characters yet. You know, they haven't found themselves in those characters yet. Like, we have a lot of new people on the screen now. You know, when you really think about it, we don't have a lot of those, uh, those, those, not even not even seasoned people, but just people who have been there for a while on NXT 2.0. A lot of that 2.0 crowd. So, I just think that they're in a bit of a transition period. You know, the the whole like the, the tag division. Where is that? That's in a transition period. Gallus is coming back. The new day is down there pretty deadly i can't see them being down there too much longer so uh, there's a transition period going on and i i definitely think there is a bit of a lull and i think they're kind of in a holding pattern until we get through this pay-per-view yeah i feel that too and on top of that we have to talk about what nxt was going to air on tuesday so we're at the pier again the scene of the original crime of i believe two dimes getting killed off in XT. So the camera crew thought, well, let's capture this again, this time for stacks. We almost witnessed a murder on TV, <laughs> but Tony said, pause, not going to do that. Not, not yet. At least get this jacket. See mob violence 
is being condoned by Walker HBK. What is happening with your show that you're going to allow this to happen on your airwaves? Oh, can we look at the footage? Did he die? If not, air it. Don't care. Like, Sean, sir, please. Then we have Dijak, a.k.a. The Punisher, with really bad dialogue as well. He's trying here. But the Jess for Men is not doing it for me. And I like him, but this character is a bit much. The one highlight I will say is Fish and Game, Brooks and Dunn. And Brooks Jensen finally getting some from Kiana James. We after think. We, we think. <laughs> no, we you're think. not getting anything. That has right not you been confirmed. Be. Yeah, we, we, we he ain't getting any. Uh, nah, just, he ain't getting that, that guy's much on credit. the hook right now. Right, he's on the so hook on the to hook. get some. Absolutely, absolutely. He's getting reeled in to possibly get some. You don't understand. This is real. This is this is this is a real relationship for these two. Like this is a, this is a, this is something special. <laughs> oh my God, Jeremy! You're trying just to butter us up to say this is a love story of all time that we should really wrap oh, our arms man. around. The, the the virgin is 100 on the hook right now. Yes, he might have two women fighting for him because Fallon Henley was very passionate this week, and she wants to team up with Kiana James next week in a tag team match. That's going to go well. I'm actually here for the mess of it all. I'm here for the relationship drama <laughs> and Josh Briggs wondering what the fuck is happening. Why am I drink. here? I want to go to the bar. I want to get something to drink. This is too much for me, but it is intriguing. I love a good romance. I loved Index a couple of years ago. So if you're going to give me the Virgin and Fallon Henley together and they fall in love, sold. I mean, yeah. <laughs> It's <laughs> just one thing that they've got going on. I don't know what the long-term story is with Kiana James and Fallon Henley and Brent and Jensen, Brooks and Jensen. I don't, I can't even keep track of their names sometimes. You guys use the nickname so much that I actually get crossed up when I actually want to start talking about them. Because <laughs> the conversation about those <laughs> two don't actually come up in my life unless I'm talking on the rap with you two. Because, uh, you know, NXT conversations, few and far between. So, uh, we're talking about the Mav NXT, and we can use this kind of tag team as an example. Everything is just sitting in place until they get to April. Everything just seems like they are setting up all their dominoes so that they have their big show there. I don't really see much changing uh, at the new at the Valentine's Day Evil show i guess it's called uh that we got coming valentine's day massacre what is it vengeance day vengeance day (laughs) i'm looking at it like (laughs) isn't that a movie (laughs) no that was uh wasn't that like the wwe pay-per-view with like yeah back in 99 yeah and mr mcmahon that whole shit back yeah 20 something years ago i swear that's a movie too or is that my bloody valentine could be uh, yeah, yeah, it could also be a band uh, at this point. Uh, I don't know. my Valentine. <laughs> that is what I'm thinking of, actually. <laughs> <laughs> wow, this went off the rails. But let's get back to NXT, which also seems to have gone off the rails lately. Uh, <laughs> I, I really do think that we are we are all just kind of, we are ABC plugs all trying to get to the WrestleMania weekend. 
of NXT and everything is kind of spinning their wheels. I don't expect Braun Breaker to lose the title um, anytime soon. I kind of see, uh, oh, uh, the blonde, Trifty Staten, challenging for the title at um, a WrestleMania weekend. That's kind of where I uh, take on uh, Indy and Hul Ruka and just kind of heat her up for that. And, you know, just everything seems kind of predictable. It just kind of feels like we're all just kind of going in a direction. Braun Breaker and Carmelo Hayes down the line, all that kind of stuff. Alba Fire and Isla Dawn tag teaming. It all just, just kind of seems like they're not really working too hard to throw you any curveballs. And I would love to have some curveballs thrown with regard to what we are getting on NXT programming. The show needs a jolt of energy. Yeah. It feels very lackadaisical right now. And I just want the show to be lively and fun. It was that way during the tape shows a few weeks ago. Deadline was a great show. We praise it very highly on this show. But I feel like it is going through the motions right now. Let's get through Vengeance Day. Let's get to Stand and Deliver. I totally understand it. But I just want your weekly shows to be a bit more exciting and shake things up a bit. I know that the Dusty Cup is probably coming up for both the men and women's tag teams of the show. That should be exciting. And hopefully you don't do another fuck finish this year, which really irritated me. Like, fuck the cup. Fuck the tag team titles. I want the women's championship. I don't want that, Swerve. I want tag team wrestling to matter for these belts heading into the next couple of months. And I just feel as if we're just doing this long waiting game. And I feel for Bond Breaker, this is hell, officially. He's the champion, but every time he's out there, I feel like he needs to be on the main roster. Two more months, two more months, he'll survive it. Mello will win. It'll be a beautiful day. And as we talked about last week, poor LA fans out there, you're going to get up at 7 a.m. for a 10 o'clock show. Gross. Actually, I'm into it, but that's just me personally. There is one more thing that I had to throw out there that I forgot, and this is my turn to own something that I previously said that I am not about. Are you ready for it, guys? Are you ready for this? Yes. I've turned the corner on Javier Bernal. I'm proud of you. I have turned the corner on this man. I was 100% entertained, but unfortunately, I'm worried that he might have been killed by that Bosch yeah. Tyler driver. Oh, Lord. Oh, my God. Poor Javi. Javi the body. He did not take that move well. It was his fault. I love you, Javi. But, baby, you got to get up for that. But he is... The greatest. Have you ever heard, have you ever heard the advice? If at first you don't succeed, try try again. Yeah, he didn't try try again. He just <laughs> no. he just failed again. Yes, he failed badly, and I adore him. I hope he's all right. But yeah, that was not a pretty finish. But I do love him as a character. He is a bright spot every Tuesday with his <laughs> his Christmas album that's coming out now. Okay. <laughs> Javi Dodd was pretty great. Yes, it was. I adore him. He is going to be a star. He's not a bad wrestler, but he just needs more experience. But the personality is a 10 in my book. But that's the next T, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> that's all, folks. Put a bow on that one. <laughs> it, it, it existed this week. That's all there is to it. What else it, can I possibly say? 
It was a hard week for obvious reasons. Yeah. Uh, right before that show started, we all got terrible news in the wrestling world. And, you know, we can acknowledge it, even though it really didn't have a whole lot to do with, you know, WWE programming as a whole. It did really affect how we translated and watched this show because, like, one could not exist without the other that night. No, and I have to shout out, actually, WWE, because they broke into the programming around, I want to say, 9.15-ish to let everybody know that Jay Briscoe had passed away. And it was news I found out about maybe a half hour earlier from a DM, and I was like, what happened? I From that moment on, I kind of checked out emotionally, and I did a show that night, and it was very tough for me to get through because it was very raw news. And I like the fact that NXT pivoted from a funeral segment involving the New Day and Pretty Deadly, and they scrapped it immediately. And that would not have happened under the Vince McMahon administration. He would have just said, fuck it. And that is a big difference versus what we would have gotten maybe a year ago. So I have to shout out Shawn Michaels and everybody that really took care of the situation and had grace and class and dignity to pay respect to Jay Briscoe, not only on NXT, but SmackDown as well. And that would not have happened a year ago under a different administration. Yeah, you know, getting a Jay Briscoe and basically a Don West shout out on WD programming in January of 2023 is not something I would have had on my bingo card. But hey, here we are and I'm all for it. Yeah, wrestling is a big old community. The tribalism is highly overrated. And at the end of the day, we love what we love and we love everything. And fans, you know, have been through it this week. And I just felt like WWE did right by Jay Briscoe and the family to pay tribute to him on the air and pivot away from a segment that could have been very tasteless in nature. So shout out to the whole crew on that. But that was the next team. It was a show. Hopefully it'll be better next week and hopefully I can get through a week and we can all get through a week when there is no trauma, no breaking news, no tragedies. It's a nice, smooth sailing way to get to the Royal Rumble this Saturday. As we segue now to Friday Night Smackdown going down from a packed house in Detroit, Michigan at the Little Caesars Arena. And the Smackdown Tag Team Tournament kicked off with the no longer banger bros. Seamus and Drew McIntyre <laughs> versus the Viking Raiders. Google was somebody's friend a couple of weeks ago to stop that shit from happening. But I thought this was the best match on the show on Friday night. Just a big hoss battle, bruising in nature. Seamus was a beast. Drew McIntyre was kind of letting this guy hang for a bit. Seamus was a workhorse. He was whooping ass, taking the beat down when need be. But the closing moments was fantastic. Drew hitting a Mishinoku driver on Ivar. Come on, big dude. That was incredible. Ivar splashes Seamus off the top rope for a near fall. Seamus being too ambitious for a white noise off the top rope initially. But eventually this match just breaks down into just great big cost action, which I greatly appreciated. And ultimately... Seamus and Drew McIntyre win. They're in the semifinals, and I am here for it, Jeremy. A very fun start to SmackDown, and probably, I would say, top three Viking Raiders performance on the main roster. Yeah, it's uh, 100% one of their top three performances. I can't even think of uh, three other performances that even come close to what we saw here. I was legitimately surprised that they lost this match. They've been heating up the Viking Raiders pretty considerably for quite some time. And then they brought in Valhalla and 
Uh, you know, the, their momentum has been trending upwards. But, you know, if you're going to lose, losing to Drew McIntyre and Sheamus, uh, there's, no, there's no shame in that. <laughs> but, uh, no, this is, this is a great match. There are, there are times where I will look at a wrestling ring in WWE and – you know, WWE has the 20, 20 by 20 rings and most other places have like an 18 by 18. These four men in the ring made that ring look tiny. And I have not seen that in a long time in a WWE ring where you just have four guys and they're just moving around so fast that it just, they enveloped, they swallowed the ring with their presences, uh, the presence of all four men. Uh, a great match. Really strong energy going into it. It was a fantastic night of tag team tournament uh, play. You know, some matches were better than others. But it just, it felt like this was tag team night. They had a plan. They are going forward with it with the potential separation of these tag titles. And uh, Drew McIntyre and Sheamus are a great contender to potentially challenge for it. Yes, they are a great tag team. I wanted this for them for a very long time. They beefed a couple of years ago. Look at them now. They're besties once again. We love to see it. And just four guys going out there, putting in that work in front of a hot crowd that gave a shit. That is a double plus in WWE these days. Scott, your take on the opening match for the SmackDown Tag Team Championship Tournament. Oh, it was great. Um, just kind of echoing everything you both said. It was an excellent tag match. A lot of hosses in there. And, you know, with the you know the going thing of the Usos defending both sets of tag titles, I wouldn't be surprised to see them defending each set each night. And this is a great team to have facing the Usos one of those nights at WrestleMania. I mean, I don't see them having a big singles match for either one of them, and I'd rather them have a big tag match together than kind of get lost in the shuffle. So, um, you know, I, I see shenanigans happening again, giving them a reason for a rematch because I think they're going to win the tournament, I think. Um, but, again, great match. Um, where do the, the the Raiders go from here? You know, who who do they raid next? Because they went after the big horses and lost, so I'm, I'm guessing now they're going to start raiding the little horses. Who are they? You know, who who are the under underneath tag teams that they can even start running through to build themselves back up? That is a good question. Maybe – Maximum male models. They can run over Most them. Lotharios. <laughs> they can run over those two teams. Los Lotharios, you know. <laughs> Los Lotharios, let me tell you, I think they could be a decent babyface team. Like, I, I, I do think they could be a, a legit babyface team. That little kiss cam gimmick, you can make that into a nice, fun thing uh, that the crowd could kind of get behind, especially a live audience. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that could honestly that could work. They were they were definitely more viable in this uh on this episode of SmackDown than I thought the Lotharios have been in a really long time. And I think that was just, you know, placement on the card where they were doing on the, the tag team tournament being faces. All the stuff just kind of worked in their favor and it felt like they were a breath of fresh air uh with all the other tag teams kind of pivoting, going face, heel, turning getting premieres, uh, all the stuff. They they uh, they look good. They look good with, with the, what their new role seems to be. I just hope they heat them up because they have the viability to be a really good babyface tag team. And all I could think about with Angel Garza in particular is a go back maybe three years ago. It was NXT. 
and they were going up against AEW. But one of the lone high spots during that war that never warred really was Leo Rush and Garza fighting for that Cruiserweight Championship. Those matches were great. That was Angel Garza at his best. I want that Garza showing out in the main roster because that guy is fantastic when he's fully able to let go and show the people what he can do. Yeah. No, uh, there, there's so much talent that comes from that part of the world that, you know, is on the roster and they have all the ability to do something with them and they just can't seem to do it until they get put at their doorstep and says, Hey, do shit or get off the pot. Uh, and they're probably going to get off the pot because they don't see it with those guys. And hopefully they will. But, you know, evidence kind of says that, you know, clip through uh, that kind of talent will clip through your fingers. Yeah. And it's a shame. They're very good looking. I'm not going to lie. They're charismatic. They're talented. They have charisma. Push them. That's all I'm saying. Get you some tag teams that can get over post WrestleMania season. As we segue now to the best damn storyline in professional wrestling today. And I was hyping Scott on this on our Patreon special off air. I said, you got to look at SmackDown because Roman Reigns gaslit the ever loving shit out of Sami Zayn in three acts. And act one was Roman and the bloodline rolling up in their SUVs. And Sami wanted his dap. He wanted his love to be shown by his tribal chief. And Roman Reigns curved him. He just walked right past him, did not acknowledge him. And Paul Heyman looked very sad for Sami Zayn. So we cut backstage a couple of segments later. It's Roman Reigns and Paul Heyman and Sami Zayn sitting down. And he wants to know, what's up? Things are a little bit tense. You were frosty towards me. I want to know what I did wrong. Did I do something to offend you? I apologize if I did so. And Roman Reigns says, you know what? Something's on your mind. Something's bothering you because I saw your attitude last week after your match against Kevin Owens. So please tell me what's bothering you. And Sammy's like, honestly speaking, I felt some kind of way about the Usos and Solo interfering in the match. I had it won. I felt like I was being upstaged, undermined a bit, and maybe Kevin was right. Maybe the bloodline is manipulating me. And Roman's face in that moment shifted. And he was like, well, who who told you I, as a tribal chief, had to run through my plans with you? Who, who are you to ask of me to tell you what I have in store for your match and what my plans are for you? Who the hell are you to tell me what I should tell you. I'm the tribal chief. You're trying to run game on me. I don't appreciate it. Get out. Leave. Skedaddle. And he kicks Sami Zayn out. And Paul Heyman looks very, very sad. And later on in the show, Paul Heyman encourages Roman Reigns. So you might want to bring Sami back in house. You know, do you want to piss in outside of the castle or in the castle? You decide. So Roman tells Paul to bring back Sammy for round three. Sammy comes back and Roman Reigns leaves a gaslight on for Sammy Zayn, saying, you know what? You just want to have all the details of my plans. 
You want to have the best possible information. You're thorough that way. And I can respect that. My communication skills were lacking. I have a short fuse. My temper can get kind of crazy sometimes, but I want to make sure that you know I understand and I appreciate you, Sammy. And so Sammy's marveling at the fact that for two weeks in a row, Roman has humbled himself before Sammy Zayn. Can't believe it. So Roman encourages Sammy to, you know what? We're good. Let's dap it up. I want you to get our travel arrangements ready. Get the fuel for the jet for us to leave this place after this contract signing. Be gone, Sammy. But it's all love. Roman reigns. Professional gaslighter extraordinaire. You broke Sammy and then you revived him all in the same show. And I got my life. This is the best storyline in wrestling today. Going from who the hell are you to tell me what I should tell you to, you know what? I'm a bad communicator. Oops, my bad, Scott. I'm so sorry. Yeah, this is a great segment. And as great as Roman and Sammy were, for me, Paul Heyman really stood out. Uh, the facial expressions whenever Roman raises his voice to when he calms back down to when he started to hit the gas a little bit on Sammy. You could see his, you could see the grin on Paul Heyman's face. And when Sammy left, Paul Heyman goes, whispered in his ear, thank you, my tribal chief. You know, like he's, he's so great at the little things that really kind of sell it because and I like it because you can interpret it in so many different ways. Because to me, at the very end, it kind of came off like, you know, Paul Heyman's the one kind of pulling the strings. And Roman's thinking like, well, maybe Sammy's not that bad. You know, maybe maybe I am being a little hard. That's how it came off to me. And Paul Heyman's like, nah, dude, we got to get rid of this dude. But we're not going to get rid of him yet. Let's keep him here for right now while we've got this Kevin Owens problem. Like, that's how it came off to me. And I think that's the great thing about this story is you and I, who Akilah, who both enjoy it, and, and Jeremy probably has a different view on it as well, but we see it, we saw a completely different story being told. And I think that's a great thing about what they've done so far with each of these characters and where they're going. It's all about the motivations at this point. Was Paul's motivation? Is he really supporting Sami Zayn? Is he trying to talk Roman down? We don't know. But what I do know is Paul sells face all day. He sells sadness. He sells glee. He sells evil. And I'm buying in because you don't know how the special counsel is going to go when it comes to Roman's ultimate plan. And Roman is perfection. And Sami Zayn is the best. And Jeremy, I want your take on all of this that went down on SmackDown. A gaslighting in three parts. So... It kind of feels like we're starting to get into the end game of whatever this iteration of the bloodline is. You know, all the all the disparate factors of the story are kind of coalescing. You know, you got the Sikoa, he finally showed up. You got the issues with Sami Zayn and the gaslighting with Roman, and you got you got Kevin Owens kind of in the periphery. Uh, you're you're having these tag titles uh, being defended individually on Raw and SmackDown. You've got all these things kind of in the ether. I am going to say right now, I think the work by the performers in this whole angle is top-notch. Roman, Sammy, 
Owen, the Ucho, Sokoa, Heyman, everybody that's involved is doing a fantastic job. I have just been with watching WWE for so long that there is a part of me that just says, stay the course. Don't fuck up the landing. You are you are getting very, very close. But there are things about it that just make me feel like maybe they're they're pivoting here or there. Maybe they don't have their WrestleMania plan fully locked down. Maybe they haven't totally decided who, what, where, why, when. And so there are little X factors of the whole story that they haven't quite decided how that they are going to move forward with it. And that concerns me because they might go in a direction still that doesn't quite hit the grand slam that I feel like they've been queuing up for quite so long. So I am cautious. I really want this to keep going at the strength that it is. There are little things here and there that make me think like, hmm, I'm a little worried, but I just think that's more of my instinct with WWE not being able to, you know, do what do the easy layup story rather than try and get cute and overdo this in the very end. You know, their tag titles are out there. The world titles are out there. Uh, Zane's loyalty, Owens, all of it. There's still a lot to go, but it definitely does feel like we're, we're getting to end game level with the bloodline. I feel it too. And I can totally understand your concerns because sometimes it's about sticking the landing, making sure that it's perfect because this is really the perfect story, an easy story that's been going on for about six months now. And I think there was a period of the over-reliance on Usi and it was a crutch. And I'm glad we broke the comedy aspect of it because now it's time to get serious. We can have our laughs, which we have enjoyed a lot, but now it's time to really clue in on what the storyline is about. It's about the bloodline using Sami Zayn. He's gullible, but he's not stupid. He's starting to see shit for what it is, and that is the end game starting to unfold. And it's going to really blow up at Elimination Chamber because I do sense it could be Sammy and Roman in a situation and those fans who've sold out SmackDown and this pay-per-view next month are going to be absolutely apeshit for Sami Zayn and how the story culminates in the next month or so. It's going to lead into WrestleMania and then the ultimate reunion will be ultimately, hopefully, KO and Sammy teaming up against the Usos for the SmackDown tag team titles to blow up this feud officially. I wanted this since June of last year. We're almost home. We'll see how they handle it down the stretch, but I'm here for it all. I love it. I do like one idea that uh, I've, been, I've been thinking about this idea, and I think that they've been teasing the tag titles to be split up on separate brands to be lost, but I don't think that anyone will be winning a title from the bloodline. You know, or... I think the world titles will probably be split up first because if you split up the tag titles before the world titles, it doesn't seem as important if you win a world title from Roman, if they're split up. So if you wait until after, potentially you've got Kevin and Sammy, one on Raw and one on SmackDown, challenging the Usos, that would give them the lineage to have the Raw title and the SmackDown title, and then... If Sammy and Kevin were to win at Mania, then you could split up the title by having one of one of a Raw or a SmackDown team win it off of them, one after the other. That makes sense as well. 
I did have a little trepidations about the splitting of the titles because I wanted this to be like a wholesale ransom, but I'll take what I can get right now. And I'm very excited as we're now into the end game of this storyline, which has been the best thing in WWE for the last half a year or so. As we now transition to the main event of Friday Night Smackdown on Fox, we had two more tag team matches involving Hit Row and Los Artorios. And Hit Row wins after Top Dollar got in Michael Cole's face because he heard that shit talking for the last few weeks. And then we have Imperium beating the Brawling Brutes. Butch and Rich Holland, another really good match. So I am foreseeing the finals of Imperium versus Drew McIntyre and Sheamus, and that's going to be a banger. I can't wait to see that. But I looked at the clock, and I said to myself, Self, will we have enough time for a true blue contract signing involving Roman Reigns and Kevin Owens to make sure their Universal Championship match is official for the Royal Rumble next Saturday? And sure enough, we had just enough time for Kevin Owens to get in the ring and ambush the bloodline. And he hits Roman Reigns with a stunner. And at that very moment, Michael Cole became Jim Ross for the next three minutes. He was going off saying, stunner, stunner, stunner. Roman Reigns got hit with a stunner. And then we have KO destroying the bloodline, whooping up on Jimmy and Jay, Solo as well. He power bombs Roman through the table and Paul Heyman's in the corner, shell-shocked and devastated as to what the hell happened. This was an ambush to end all ambushes I lived. But the highlight once again was Sami Zayn coming out because he was told, get the travel arrangements ready, get the jet fueled, Make sure we're ready to leave Detroit at promptly 10.45 p.m. My time, allegedly. He comes down, and there's another face-to-face confrontation. K.O. goes through the crowd, and Sammy, ironically enough, does not go help his tribal chief up to his feet to wrap up SmackDown a little before the top of the hour. I loved this angle. No need for small talk. Let's get to the ass whooping immediately. K.O. stands tall once again to antagonize the bloodline some more, and this will lead to a switch-up on Monday for Raw 30 was supposed to be the bloodline acknowledgement ceremony. Now it's the trial of Sami Zayn, which should be great TV in Philly. And I expect Paul Heyman to be judge, jury, and possibly executioner, depending how it all plays out, Jeremy. Boy, sure does feel like plans change for Mania when they uh, decided that they were no longer going to do the tribal chief uh, story and then move forward with the trial of Sami Zayn instead. That was interesting. Uh, this match between Owens and Reigns is probably one of the most anticipated world title matches uh, that I've had a chance to see in the last nine months since, you know, Cody Rhodes went down and that wasn't going to be happening for a while. Uh, you know, you had the Drew McIntyre match, Clash of the Castle. That was also a really good one, but, you know, this is this is the one that they've been kind of circling and you know you're getting like I said to the end game. I don't really see Kevin Owens uh winning this match. I think there there is going to be a lot of story coming out of this match. Who the who, what, where, why, when developing for Mania. But I do kind of think we're gonna get a, a tremendous, fantastic twenty twenty-five minute match between the two. Could be the last match between the two for a good long while. Uh and yeah, I just, this feud has been existing for two, three years now. Uh, they put it on ice and they brought it back. And when they brought it back, it was hot all over again. 
wondering who Reigns has down the line coming into Mania as we do our Royal Rumble predictions. Uh, some of the moves that happened to Reigns in this segment kind of you know put me off from thinking who his opponent could be at Mania, and we'll get to that later on. But for this, for now, for getting me excited for a Royal Rumble main event title match, this checked off all the boxes. I was here for it. I loved it too. They had a match, Last Man Standing, two years ago in the Thunderdome. It was a fun matchup. The finish was botched because Paul and the handcuffs couldn't get along. But there is a fun stat. Kevin Owens has never been pinned by Roman Reigns for this championship in over two years. There were three attempts to do so, and KO has not been pinned every single time. That will change most likely at the Warrior Rumble on Saturday, but it will be a great 20-plus minute match. It will have you on the edge of your seat. The outcome will be academic, but it will give you theater in the best possible way, and Sammy will definitely play a role in the finish, and that will lead to whatever's going to happen at Elimination Chamber in Montreal, Quebec. That is going to be a night the atmosphere is going to be crazy, but for this contract signing, I thought it was perfect, Scott. I loved it. And KO stands tall, and Sammy was making travel arrangements, allegedly. Yeah, this was good, and I enjoyed that it was just completely different. You know, normally we get a, a nice, long, drawn-out promo. They throw some jabs, especially with this kind of being uh, the final match between these two in particular. Uh, you know, you normally you know what you're going to get when it comes to WWE. So I like that this was more of just chaos, you know, uh, and, and actually storyline wise that works because that's, that's something Roman doesn't like is chaos. He likes to be in control. He likes to know what's going to happen. He likes to have things planned out. This worked out perfectly. Um, and then the little hesitations of Sammy, you know, Sammy hesitates to get in the ring before Kevin Owens smiles, rolls out. Then all of a sudden, Sammy gets in the ring. It's the little things that they're doing, that they're the the, the storytelling. I I thoroughly enjoy it. This has been a great story. Um, the end game is key. You both have touched on it, Jeremy. You really uh, did a good job talking about it. It's the, what comes next is the key. the The final plans are very important because they have everything lined. The bases are loaded. They have everything lined up for a grand slam. They just they got to make contact. They have to. This is the equivalent of Batista and Triple H leading up to WrestleMania 21 back in 2005. The perfectly laid out storyline from start to finish because you knew the Batista turn was coming. He was going to win the Warrior Rumble. He was going to pick Triple H. And we were edging for months until he gave him the thumbs down and put his ass at that table. This is our end game for 2023. And I cannot wait to see how WWE finishes it. They have to shoot the three from half court. They got to bank the shot. They got to get the bases loaded and to home. Slide them all in. I'm making so many sports analogies, but it's true. This is the most important storyline they've done since then. And that's saying something. This is months worth of build. Now is not the time to fumble. And this does play into our Warrior Rumble preview because moves have to be made regarding the rumble that are critical because the one thing we don't want to see is a revolt of a fan base that loves somebody in Sami Zayn, adores him to no end. And if you fuck around and win the rumble and it's not him, 
choices. So you have to be really delicate with this. As we now segue to the Royal Rumble going down this Saturday from the Alamo Dome in San Antonio, Texas. It's our prediction show now to say who is walking away as the men and women's Royal Rumble winner. We do know for a fact that Cody Rhodes, Cody Luther King is back for this show. He's healed up and he's ready to go. I can't wait to see him. Will he win the Royal Rumble? Will he move on to WrestleMania and challenge Roman Reigns for two championships, one championship? I don't know, but this is going to be dodgy because of the X factor known as Sami Zayn Scott. I, I'm going with Cody Rhodes as far as who's winning. I don't think predictable is bad. And I think the story that Cody laid out, the, you know, pretty much since he came back, that, that's, a, that's a prophecy that needs to be fulfilled. Um, Sammy's story, yeah, I, I'm with it too. And if that happens, I, I won't complain about it. Roman's got two titles, so that can be two nights. But Cody's got a story that he also has to complete. And the only way he's completing that is by going to WrestleMania and doing it the way the way that you do it, you know, winning the Royal Rumble, the way you do it in WWE as far as main eventing, winning the Rumble, calling your shot, and beating the top guy. And I, I think Cody Rhodes is going to do that. I cannot wait. And the promos should be brilliant from both men if we're truly going in that direction. Jeremy, your pick for who's going to win the men's Warrior Rumble on Saturday. All right. So I got it down to three names. <laughs> that I came down with. And the first one is Cody Rhodes, who from what I've read is probably coming out at number three, which, you know, you need, if you need to heat a guy up and show him that he can go toe to toe with Roman and going long in, in the rumble. So you've got that or the other two that outside choices. And of these three, I'll give you my final pick after that. Seth Rollins, I kind of think has a very, strong shot at winning this thing but uh but the one that scott took cody rose by pick my pick is stone cold steve austin a ballsy pick i'm not mad at it i love it it's very sexy i'm going to stay the course i am going to pick cody rhodes to win the royal rumble It's probably going to be Cody. (laughs) It's probably going to be Cody. Now, what's going to be tricky is I want the final two to be Seth and Cody. It's going to split the crowd because they love Seth and they love Cody. But I need this. We need begrudged mutual respect to kind of kill this off for now. Revisit it down the road. I want my match four eventually. But I want this to be what we, Scott and I, saw. 2007 Warrior Rumble, Taker, Shawn Michaels. I want that vibe. Two guys, two alpha males, final two going at it for a good 10 minutes. I will be happy with Cody winning. The crowd will be kind of fucked up, but I'm here for the mess. So let me let me add a little something on top of that. I'm cool with that, with them being the final two, Cody winning, us getting that epic you know, final two 10-minute uh, dance. Let's go ahead and go all the way with it then. Have Cody and, and Seth be one and two then. Mm, yes. Let's just let's just go ahead and, and go all the way with it. And have them start the match. Have them to end the match. I'm here for it. I need it. I am I am in a completely different 
uh, mindset of this. I am going to go with the idea that there is some kind of disputed finish with Roman and Owens, and the Raw world title will be put up to be won at the Elimination Chamber in which Seth Rollins will win it there. I could see that. I could see that. I would love it, actually. Seth has been due for a championship for a long time, and he needs to be an anchor on that show. So you're saying, perhaps, I could still get my Cody and Seth match four at WrestleMania, somehow, some way. Yes. Okay. I still think that the Elimination Chamber is going to play a big part in the WrestleMania plans, and that uh, I am of the belief that we're not going to get The Rock at Mania this year. And if we're not going to get The Rock at Mania, the next best thing is Stone Cold Steve Austin. And he looks great. He's clearly training. And I'm not saying it's happening, but I'm saying if you want to have the biggest match for Roman Reigns, the biggest match for Roman Reigns may potentially be Stone Cold Steve Austin this year and then Cody and Roman next year. Yeah, I see that too. I like it. I like the fact that at least WWE has a backup plan and they weren't going to be reliant on one thing and one thing only because if they were, they would have been screwed over. But you got a lot of contingency plans in place, which I appreciate and I love. And this hopefully would be a far better Warrior Rumble, not executive produced by Shane McMahon because that was a shit show last year. So now, any surprises for the Men's Warrior Rumble? Any out-of-the-box entrance that you might expect to see come through on Saturday, Jeremy? Uh, I'll go with Zack Ryder, Matt Cardona, Edge, and uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin. <laughs> All right. He's leaning in on that. Scott, any surprise outside of the ballpark ideas of who could be a surprise entrant in this Rumble match? Yeah, I, I think I'm I'm fully on board with that, too. I, you know, I... I think uh I think we get some somebody from a Japanese promotion over here whether it's the great Muda or whether oh, you call. somebody somebody overseas is going to make and you know who else might show up I wouldn't be surprised if maybe Nick Aldis might make an appearance mm. in the Royal Rumble as a new member of the roster or a one-time thing I think a one-time thing um, or maybe, and maybe he has a cup of tea on like the raw after, you know, or, or not the raw after, or like the raw after, and just kind of see the reaction he gets. But kick the wheels on him, yeah, something like that. So I, I, I and maybe, maybe it turns into something long term. Who knows? But I, I could see Nick Aldis finally getting a nice little, nice little uh, spotlight in WWE for a little bit. Yeah, I'm with that. I like that. One name I've heard a lot is Minoru Suzuki. Ah, uh, that'd be cool. That would be awesome. He is a freelancer. He is a freelancer. Triple H likes to make things happen. We had You Should Thunder Light go in NXT TakeOver Brooklyn one <laughs> several years ago. So We have 13 names listed. We have a few names that are yet to be there. If we're going to do a Japanese wrestler, I lean more toward Muto than Suzuki, but you could do both. You, you could, could do both. Clearly, clearly, I don't know if the WWE audience is savvy to either of those guys as much as a non-WWE audience. But hell, let's do it. Let's find out. To to that point, Jeremy, though, I think the Royal Rumble audience would be. Like, I think if it's... I a, don't know about that because really? that's more of a... Ca- that could definitely be considered more of a casual audience. Okay, true. That's just like, I'm not... I. 
you know, there, there are more people that are, are there for the Royal Rumble rather than, you know, the indie, indie wrestler that might show up. You know, there are going to be people there that are all about it. But, you know, just I, I honestly do not know how Minoru Suzuki would be received at a WWE Royal Rumble if he were to come out there. That is a fascinating experiment. And I hope now that it is brought up that we actually get to see that. 40,000 people. I think half of them would know who he is. Well, if, yeah. half, if half of them know, then the other half will join in and be like, all right, it's cool. <laughs> and, when, and look, I mean, seriously, that's what's going to happen. And then once they see him go and they see him like, yo, come on, you, you got it. Cause they haven't seen that. You know what I mean? Like they haven't yeah. seen his style. So I think, I think they would latch on to him pretty quickly. There's not a chance in hell that they'll let his music play long enough for the crowd. No, to, uh, no, to do no way. The, the no. Little, uh, <laughs> now, now, granted, this is a long ass ramp, so it's possible you can get it in. It's possible. Yeah, yeah, it's it doable. <laughs> it's doable. That long ass ramp might help a little bit get that key in there. So, I, I will tell you, I thought I thought me fantasy booking Stone Cold Steve Austin was a little bit out there, but man, we have we have gone full on <laughs> with Mudo and Suzuki Suki. fantasy booking uh, for the Royal Rumble. So well done by you. You outweirded me. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll say this too: <laughs> for them to go ahead and promote Cody like that as well, like I know he everybody kind of figured he was showing up, but for them to promote him like that instead of just saving him for the Rumble. I do think they have to have some pretty... They got something up their sleeves. They got mm-hmm. something up their sleeves. If they're giving away Cody like that with a week to go, mm-hmm. they got something up their sleeve. Yeah. I agree. You don't drop Cody for no reason because that would be a great pop. And the fact that you're advertising him in advance, mm-hmm. that tells me you got a couple of names in the bag that you want to surprise us with on Saturday. And I'm here for a surprise. I need one. Hopefully it's Muda or Suzuki. I'm sold. I'll be happy. I'll mark out. I have my pitch black Mountain Dew by my side, and I will sip my ass off. Yeah, Kota Bush is a free agent. Ooh, he hey. did do some Cruiserweight Classic hey. stuff. Hey, let me tell you something. That's my- <laughs> hey, let me tell hey. you something, man. We got, look, we got Perky Scott all the time. Don't <laughs> he <woke> get up. <laughs> me excited about Kota Ibushi. Listen. Kota Ibushi is in one of my favorite matches in WWE history, him versus Cedric Alexander in the Cruiserweight Classic. He only had like three matches in WWE and, history. And we would have been able to. Hey, and that's one of my favorite <laughs> matches ever. Listen, don't get me excited about this man coming right. back, okay? I, I I love this. He was the reason I watched New Japan. And then Put when your he handed some cold water, Scott, it's not happening. Scott <laughs> was like, he woke up hey. like Perky Scott into the chat immediately. Like, Kota Bushi, excuse me? <laughs> Don't play with me. If Kota Bushi were to ever sign with AEW, I mean, I would record and watch every single second. AEW Dark, Elevation, anything he is on, I would watch. Like, I, I love that guy. I love that you're such a stand for him. I record all of it. Dark, Elevation, <laughs> Rampage, Dynamite, Ring of Honor, Battle all of, of the belts, anything. <laughs> it kind of reminds me of it kind of reminds me of Office Space when they're like, "Oh, what's your favorite song?" I'm just a fan of the entire album, the entire catalog. <laughs> Real straight shooter over here. <laughs> oh man, Scott the Kota Abushi stand. I had no idea. I am here for this revelation. I love it. If he He's shows up. Man. If he shows up, Scott's going to bathe and pitch black Mountain Dew. 
If he shows up, you need to just make me the third host on this permanently. Because that's that's such a wild call that, like, it's not happening. (laughs) And no, you've given me hope. You've given me hope. You've given him hope. Oh, I wasn't even thinking about that. That wasn't even in my thought process. And now I'm just thinking about this dude slapping the hell out of somebody. Comical giving me a, giving me one of them, them super power bomb. Oh my god, the sky! Oh, come on, man. Well, I love put, it. Put her a hand in some cold water and talk about the women's royal rumble. Prediction. Yes, but I have and, one more shot yeah. just for Scott because I can't resist. So if Kota Ibushi doesn't come out and number thirty is Rey Mysterio, Scott's gonna lose his ever loving shit. He's gonna get that 2014 heat. Fuck Rey Mysterio. So, do you think Rey Mysterio is actually going to be in the Rumble? Or he will. Or is he going to get destroyed by Cross the night before and Dominic takes his spot? I hope so. Um, but uh, <laughs> Dominic's definitely... Dominic is definitely... The name Mysterio. Dominic's definitely eliminating Rey Mysterio, by the way. And also, I got nothing but, uh, you know, hit him up type heat for uh, Rey Mysterio, so... <laughs> I ain't gonna re- I'm not going to repeat those last lyrics I mean, of that just, song. You know, I'm just saying. <laughs> I, listen, I don't need to quote no lyrics from Hit Em Up, okay? No. You, you already know what that type of heat is. As Bully Forget- Ray would say, that's heat. <laughs> yes, it is. Forget him as an organization, a father, everything. I'm not going to get into it. I'm not going to go verbatim because we might get kicked off the air. But <laughs> let's focus on the Women's Warrior Rumble match now. So Jeremy here, huh. you know... For the last couple of years, he has been riding a certain ship. He's been hardcore. He's been devout, devoted. I literally doubled down. He doubled down. <laughs> will Will we triple dog dare him into making this pick again? Or will he pivot and pick someone else? Jeremy, the time has come for you to tell us, will Rhea Ripley win the 2023 Women's Warrior Rumble match? I say no. But she probably will, now that I've said no. (laughs) Uh, I don't... uh, My whole blueprint has been, I think Rhea Ripley is going to have a feud with Becky Lynch going into Mania. And if that's the case, she doesn't really need a title to do so. And she doesn't need a title. She doesn't need to win the Rumble. The last couple of years, I was arguing that she needed to win the Rumble to take herself to the next level. Well, newsflash, she didn't win, and she is at the next level. She doesn't need to win this year. And I think that there is a name that is right in front of all of us that has a very similar trajectory to one Bianca Belair and her winning the Rumble a few years ago, and that is Raquel Rodriguez. I think they have gone to great lengths to kind of delay her trajectory upwards. They gave her a title win to just kind of get the optics of her winning a title and that was the tag titles with Aaliyah but that really didn't last more than a week or two uh and that was back in September I think they're priming her you know doing stuff like giving her an arm injury in the middle of November just to kind of you know slow everything down Everything about it to me says this is Raquel Rodriguez's year. And uh, that is my pick. Not Rhea Ripley, even though now that I've done that, we are going to probably having a conversation the next time I come out here about how I got it horrifically wrong and everybody laughs at me. And we'll call you out next month accordingly. Don't think we won't. I trust, trust and believe that. 
Fine pick, though, Scott. Who you think is going to win the Women's Warrior Rumble match? Man, I'm about to shock everybody with this one. Liv Morgan? <laughs> I got Liv Morgan winning the Royal Rumble. And not only do I have Liv Morgan winning the Royal Rumble, Raquel plays a part in this because I think Raquel is going to be one of the last people she eliminates. And I think that's going to be the story. They're going to have this form, this kind of friendship. And I think I went over this last week. And she's going to be her first challenger after she beats Charlotte Flair at WrestleMania. This whole thing started, this whole evolution of Liv Morgan started with Charlotte Flair. Charlotte Flair's back. That story is there. Her saying, calling her shot, I want to do it the hard way. I want to be number one. I... Listen, I'm not the biggest Liv Morgan fan, but I can't deny the way the crowd gets behind her when she has a story that she can get into. And I think her going the distance from number one, lasting all the way, and outlasting the monster Raquel at the end, I I think that's the story you go with. And Raquel turns on her the night after WrestleMania. She beats her the first show after WrestleMania and we get the monster Raquel running the show as the heel. Liv goes back in the chase mode. You have your baby face going after the monster heel. That's how I see this all playing out. Hmm. I like it. I do like the vision of Liv Morgan winning the Royal Rumble, but I'm going to go with the safe pick. I am going to go with Rhea Ripley. I like her. She's going to be a powerhouse force. I have no idea what the final two is going to be. In a perfect world, I would say Raquel and Rhea to play into their beef from NXT a few years ago. We'll see about that. But I just think that Rhea is such a force right now, a badass that is going to really hold court in that ring for the Women's for the women's Warrior Rumble. Hopefully, it's laid out better than it was last year because that was a hot-ass mess. And I like the fact that we're not leaking names, unlike last year when WWE says, coming back. Mickey James, the Bella Twins, Michelle McCool, Kelly Kelly. They spoiled everything last year for reasons I'll never get. I like to be surprised. So I'm glad we're back to the suspension of, oh my God, who could show up? So Scott, any wild card picks as to who could possibly be in the Women's Warrior Rumble match? Kyrie Sane. Ooh, I like that. It was hinted at. I can I think, see that. I think her... Um, as far as like, like, I don't really think anybody, any past divas is a surprising pick. Like, so I, I'm not going to pick any of them, but Kyrie Sane is somebody I think that's outside the box. And I think we may see Naomi come back. I know I said that about not most past divas, but she's somebody who's a little bit different. I think Naomi comes back. Not that I really care, but I think she, excuse me. I'm sorry. I'm just, I just, if Naomi showed up in Japan, do you think people would care? A little bit. I don't know. I'm, I'm not a big Naomi fan, but I think she'll show up and she'll get a nice reaction. I rescind 10 cheddar biscuits from your plate. <laughs> How you gonna, hold it, wait a minute. How are you going to walk over to my table and take biscuits from my table that I ordered? First of all, I invited you to this big ass table <laughs> on my dime. So I have the right to snatch those biscuits from your plate. You're just going to give them to somebody else anyway. Straight to Sami Zayn. So. True that. True that. Or yeah, Ludwig. Ludwig. You know, even he's with Tiffany right now. He'd get five biscuits off that plate right now. 
If you guys want more of a skunk mentality about Liv Morgan, you should go onto the YouTube page for Fight Game Media and listen to what they had to say last week about whether Liv Morgan could win the 2023 Royal Rumble because they went pretty in-depth about it uh, when when they were talking about it last week. So Scott is not exactly uh, mining new ground. He, he's been pretty strong on Liv Morgan for a little while now. So if people want to check that out, I would strongly recommend checking out our YouTube channel for that. That was a smooth plug, Jeremy. I loved it. Now, Thanks. now. Who you think might be sneaking in this Warrior Rumble for the ladies? Uh, I think Naomi is a good call, but I also think uh, Chelsea Green is probably mm. somebody that mm. we're going to uh, have in there along with the Matt Cardona, Zach Ryder uh, triumvirate of two that will be showing up somewhere around here. Other than that, uh, probably, probably some NFT people, but I don't. I, I think this is going to be a lot more by the numbers for a, the women's Royal Rumble rather than like the blow the roof off the doors that we'll probably have in terms of the surprises for the men's Royal Rumble. Because they're, you know, if you did the Lita, if you did the Trish Stratuses, that's cool. The Bellows, that's cool. But the that caliber of huge star versus the caliber of the men's match of the possibilities, it, it really is night and day, unfortunately. Yeah, I agree. I would love to see Miko Satamora in the Women's Warrior Rumble, and I would love her to go face-to-face with Asuka for mm. five good minutes. I'll take it. Anybody else I would be kind of surprised at? Beth, yes, because oh, yeah. she has to kill Rhea Ripley. That's why Rhea's not going to win. That. Yeah, I did too. Oh, that's right. I did too. Damn that's it. exactly why Rhea's not going to win. Yeah, if they put Pedro the show up, Beth Phoenix will show up. Yeah, um, I think Beth Phoenix is a good call. I yeah, am about to good. rescind my Rhea pick now. Look at that. Look at that. You, nope, you done made nope, a pick to nope. rescind your pick. You you had all this time to think <laughs> out all the possibilities. <laughs> and, and, I forgot that possibility. And you, and, and if, I'm sorry. The, the game already started. The game Damn. already started. So he told me I'm locked in. I can't call a friend. You're I can't do 50-50. I can't pull the audience. Okay, fine. I'll stick with it, even though she'll probably lose now. I'm going to stick with Rhea Ripley. And I will also say that for the first time in a while, we'll see Eve Torres. Hey. Because she's had a baby the last couple of years. So I thought she was rumble eligible, but she was being a mama again. So I'd love to see Eve back for one more run. Why not? I think Victoria showed up somewhere recently too. A couple of years ago too. So can I, you know what? Can, Mickey just won her uh, Impact title back. Can we go ahead and get her have another uh, another Rumble spot? Why not? I'm right? not opposed to it. I I'm mean, here for it, it is kind of funny that a year later Mickey is right back to being the Impact. <laughs> right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. Well, gold is new again. <laughs> so I think the wildest one outside of. Uh, outside of Monet would be Stephanie McMahon. Oh, she has a bad ankle. So no. Oh, okay. Okay. True that. She or Maki Ito. <laughs> Maki Ito would be a palsy one. Look, if, if they're not going to put Shotzi in there, they're not putting Maki Ito in there. Right. <laughs> Shotzi might be they're, in it though. They, are, they already have their Maki Ito and Shotzi basically. If Maki Ito shows up at the Women's Warrior Rumble, She'll get 100 cheddar biscuits out of me. Mandy Rose. Okay. 100. Mandy? <laughs> Mandy? 
She says, I'm busy making a million dollars doing nothing except posing. Oh, that's how much they're going to pay her for that one appearance. I could do that posting a picture, a picture of a swimsuit. <laughs> True that. True that. True and judging that. and judging other things on that fan time app. But I digress. Good Let me ask y'all this. Uh, mm. Do y'all think any or who, which NXT women do you think they're calling up for this for the Rumble? Tiffany Stratton. Okay. Roxanne. Yeah, Roxanne Perez, Tiffany Stratton. Maybe Indy. I definitely think Indy. I think Indy will get a spot. What about the but, men? Uh, Quickly. I say Julius. I like it. I like it. I think just Braun. If Braun's in it, though, he's got to do some damage. You sure, got to be top not? five. There's 30, 30 guys. You can... I was just looking at the list, and they have Seamus on it twice, and I was just like, you knock out Seamus, he's on it twice. <laughs> It's going to be. Uh, yeah, you know, they're, you can knock out a ricochet, a Kofi Kingston. Whatever. I could see it. Mellow, maybe. Yeah. All the brothers, uh, huh? Riddick Moss. <laughs> <laughs> All the brothers, huh? Oh, uh, well. <laughs> Angelo Dawkins might, might, uh, uh, might be eliminated by a Braun Breaker. <laughs> Are we eliminating all the brothers from the football? Go, go ahead and throw Trick Williams on there too, right? <laughs> hey, I threw, I threw out Riddick Moss. All, Mock, of, you all didn't of Hit hear Row. I, I, all I, I of did, Hit I Row. I did miss Riddick. I did miss Riddick. But everybody, I, 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 everybody. I gave a Riddick does. first, and I was like, yeah, Riddick. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Little Chad Gable. Chad Gable going over. Right, uh, go. Breaker, that could right, let's let's balance it out a little bit because it's very brother heavy for like the first four or five to, eliminations. To be fair though, Chad Gable getting an invite to the cookout, so I don't know if he count either. Oh my god. He gets a plate. <laughs> Ron might okay. eliminate both of Hit Row. That's you know? true. He might. And <laughs> oh nobody would be upset. No. And I forgot Pat McAfee. He's not commentating for a reason right now. Mm, that's actually a, a really good one. Logan and Paul. Logan Paul. Yeah. He might be a trash person, but I respect him as a wrestler. But I digress on all of that. I do not expect Pat McAfee to drop what he's doing for the Royal Rumble with the AFC Championship that day. He's still working. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah, he, yeah you, you're right. You're right. But no, uh, that's, the that's the next day. That's the next day. He can do uh, it. The AFC and the NFC, are they one each day? On Sunday. Saturday, so he can Sunday? do the Rumble. He can do the Rumble on Saturday. All right. He can go He can go back to Indianapolis on Sunday and cover the game. Mm. He can do that. He can He can work. He can do that. I, I miss hope. Pat McAfee. Me too. I hope this is not going to be like a, oh, we'll see, because I know Ray Bear is very comfortable <laughs> in his job, but we ain't talking about that right now. But I miss Pat McAfee on commentary. But with that, this wraps up a very fun edition of The Wrap, previewing the 2023 Warrior Rumble and the week that was in WWE. Come back soon, Pat McAfee. Yes, we're biased here on The Wrap, but I do want to thank my co-captain, Salty Scott Young, who got very perky for the possible, possible return of Kota Ibushi and Jeremy Finestone, who gave us shade in various forms and insight as well on all things WWE this week. Thank you for joining me, guys. It's always a pleasure, Keela. And uh, yeah, I'm always going to instantly become perky when it comes to Kota Ibushi. He's uh, definitely in my, as Booker T would say, my fave five. 
I am just happy that Scott was back because I got to hear him say that we were going to chop it up because I had to do it last time and I just don't do it as well as him. I, I'm here to talk about WWE when I'm taking a break from my New Japan coverage on Speaking of Strong Style and I chop it up over there. When, when we do chopping it up, this is all this is all the, the, the Scott this is Scott beat. So he chops it up, and I and I'm I'm glad that he chops it up better here. Stop. But thank you for having me. <laughs> Jeremy tried his best last month. He did a very good job. He's downplaying great. it. He did great, but he did great. But then I, in that moment, I realized, wow, I actually like Scott. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> and we were both we were both just like, oh, Scott won't be able to do this. Oh, okay, well, d- okay. <laughs> Damn, I like him after all. Wow. <laughs> There's definitely something missing without the Scott Young on the rap. Yeah, I definitely realized, wow, I actually care about him. Who'd have thought y'all would miss a, a Miz fan like me? Fuck. I actually it missed was, him. It was a huge miss. <laughs> it was. I realized, damn it, I do miss his Miz loving ass. Damn it. But hey, hey, I have to admit, I had a confession to make. Like, I actually miss Scott. Damn, but it happened. But we'll be back next Sunday morning for the review of reviews, the Warrior Rumble 23 recap. Hopefully it's a better show than last year because that was a shitstorm. But we'll cover it nonetheless right here on the Fight Game Media Network. So for myself, for Salty and Perky Scott, or into the chat briefly for all Kota Bushi love and Jeremy Finestone, that is a wrap on all things WWE. Take care. Uh, bye-bye.